is one of the most foundational elements of Christianity. Folks that don't even consider themselves Christian or don't even have any plans of ever accepting or even acknowledging Jesus Christ know that for a person who calls themselves a child of God, prayer is a fundamental uh, of Christianity. And there was a man by the name, a French Roman Catholic Archbishop by the name of Francois Fenelon, who said this. He said, of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential and yet more neglected than prayer. Of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential and yet more neglected than prayer. A relationship with Christ without prayer is like trying to grow grass without planting seed. And as I was praying and reading back through my sermon this morning, I thought about how we'd done some yard work at our house last fall and uh, tilled up the ground and sowed seed and put straw down. And there's still, still some patches, some places that aren't growing grass. And I was reminded this morning as I thought about while I was sitting there, I'm going to need to loosen those places up, sow some more seed and put some more straw down. Sometimes in our lives, we don't see the benefit right away, but we got to keep praying, keep loosening the ground, keep putting some seed in and waiting for God to answer, right? Uh, it's also like trying to construct a house without a foundation, one writer said. You simply cannot separate the two. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Yet as foundational, as essential, as basic, as fundamental as prayer is to our walk with Christ, many people have difficulties with their prayer lives. And that's why we're looking at these series. Some people, uh, this series of messages, some people find it difficult to pray. Some people uh, are confused. Some people are frustrated. Some people feel like they never get the answer or their prayer doesn't go through. Uh, Ernie Martin was talking with me before service today, and he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him when he was praying. This morning and said, I want my people to walk in my power. That's a good word. Because there's a lot of people in the church today who don't walk in the power of God. The only way to walk in that power of God is through prayer. Uh, many people find themselves struggling with their connection and their communion with the Lord. So we began this series, very quickly I'm going to recap, on Mother's Day. We looked at the story of Hannah. We talked about the importance of uh, persistence in our prayer and trusting God for the results. The next week we talked about uh, in our intimacy level. Our prayer life reveals our intimacy level with the Lord. We are intimate with who we pray to, for, and with. And that also uh, reveals how deep we are in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and with fellow believers. Then last week we discussed pattern. We talked about how Jesus himself gave us a specific prayer pattern, a specific prayer strategy, if you will, to use when we pray. And I hope that you have been praying by that prayer pattern this week. I did intentionally at times and this morning, and that is just asking God to reveal Himself, asking God to move in our world and set our world right, and then asking God to meet our basic needs, not all of our want lists, but our basic needs, and then asking God uh, to forgive us and help us to forgive others and then finally but last but not definitely not least asking God to protect us from us protect me from me and also from our enemy and when we pray like that this prayer pattern pulls and tugs on the heart of God because if we're going to draw closer to God in prayer we need to pray like Jesus told us to right that was Jesus words and that that was Jesus instruction so today if you'll stand with me all over the room there's an obscure passage of scripture found in a book in the Bible that most people don't read very much, 
because uh, the entire book has a little bit of a dark and a dreary inclination. But hidden in its third chapter is a statement that describes, I believe, with complete accuracy, most of us and how we feel when it comes to our prayer life. Uh, The writer is discussing in this passage of Scripture his relationship with the Lord, but specifically his prayer life when he makes this statement. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation first, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. The writer, speaking of the Lord and his prayer life with the Lord, says this, He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains, and though I cry and shout, He has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. In the message translation, it reads this way. He shuts me in so I'll never get out. He handcuffs my wrist and shackles my feet. Even when I cry and shout and plead for help, He locks up my prayers and He throws away the key. He sets up blockades with quarried limestone. He's got me cornered. Today I want to preach to you about prayer walls, things that get between us and our prayer life with God. Pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for your word. I ask you to remove every hindrance now, Lord, that would that would cause us to, to not hear and understand and receive your word today. I ask you to anoint the ears of the listeners and the hearts, Lord, to receive your word. And God, I ask you to specifically speak to us today about our prayer lives and let us become a people. Lord, that know what it is to pray and to face the challenges of prayer and to overcome, Lord, through our persistence, through our intimacy, through our prayer pattern, and also, Lord, through uh, trusting you, even when we feel like the heavens have been shut up. We ask you to do what only you can do today, and we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Today, I'm going to try to move quickly. I don't want to hold you long. But I want us to be very honest with ourselves and with the Lord today. Is that okay? Let's just be very honest with ourselves and with the Lord. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like God was not only not listening, but maybe perhaps uh, He was shutting out or disregarding your prayers? Have you ever in your life felt almost angry at God and you've been asking Him why He refused to listen? or respond the way that you asked Him to when you prayed? Have you ever felt like that your prayers were blocked or stopped? Have you ever felt boxed in or walled up? And I know that that's the case sometimes. It's been the case in my prayer life at times. And what I have discovered is that according to Scripture, there are at least three reasons. There's probably more that I could list today, but I'm going to focus on three Three reasons why our prayers can be locked up, shut out, and stopped. We have direct control over two of these three blocking factors. The third one is out of our hands. We're going to talk about it, but it must still be recognized and factored in to the equation of our prayer life if we want to uh, experience victory in our prayer life with the Lord. The first one we're going to talk about will not garner me any popularity. I promise you that. The first wall that we're going to talk about that will block your prayers is revealed clearly and multiple times in Scripture. And it's called the wall of iniquity. Psalms chapter 66 and verse 18 says this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not 
have listened. Another translation said that same verse this way. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. Can I tell you today that we are living in a church world that is cozy with evil? That's going to be quiet. I expected that. That's okay. Another passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9 says, think about this. Process these words. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. Let me read that again. Because you think, surely God doesn't reject anybody's prayers. This says that God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. Another translation said that same verse this way. God has no use for the prayers of the people who won't listen to Him. Now, can you say this morning that you blame Him? I don't have, when my children were younger, but even now, I don't have a lot of patience when my kids won't listen to me. Can I get an amen this morning? When they ask my advice and then they won't do what I've told them to do, why bother listening or even answering, right? Well, let me tell you this, and I know I probably, it's probably going to get real awkward and quiet. It kind of did at the gate 45 service, but that's okay. It is what it is. I don't, I don't want to uh, make anybody feel uh, bad for anything that maybe you've ever came to me for, but as a pastor, I feel like there is something that I need to say this morning. I have had it time and time again. People come to me, and they will discuss a issue, a a sin, a, an iniquity issue that they have in their life. They want prayer. They want counseling. And you offer both. You put a lot of time and effort into it. And then you watch them get up from that conversation and go right back to the same thing they told you they were struggling with. Well, there's this little thing in Christianity that doesn't get preached much anymore, and it's called repentance. And so I talk to people about repentance. Repentance says this, when you come to God and you ask God to help you with something that you're struggling with, if you come to God and you're struggling with this over here, repentance says, after I've asked for forgiveness, I'm going to turn away from that, and I'm not going to walk towards it anymore. Instead, I'm going to walk away and pursue God. But we live in a church world where people are comfortable with asking for forgiveness, but they do not want to repent. And so they make excuse in their life for the same struggle over and over and over again. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation says this. If you read that passage of scripture, right above that passage there's a header that says warnings against sin. Verse 1. Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is His ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. Another passage of Scripture, another translation of that passage of Scripture says it this way. Look, listen, God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. 
Your wrong-headed lives caused the split between you and God. Your sins got between you so that He doesn't hear. Your hands are drenched in blood. Your fingers dripping with guilt. Your lips smeared with lies. Your tongue swollen from muttering obscenities. Do you see the wall here? I said, do you see the wall here? It's our own regard for iniquity. Our sin blocks our prayers. These passages of Scripture are not my favorites. And they're definitely, certainly not my favorites to preach. But my sin, this goes to me as well as you, my sin keeps God from hearing me. Did you hear me? So the silence that I endure might just be my own fault. Now, as I said earlier, I know that this is not going to garner me any popularity. This is not going to help me grow a church from 300 to 3,000. Say amen, somebody. There's a lot of what goes on in the church world today. See, here's what I'm finding. And naturally, like anybody else, I want to be successful. I want our church to be successful. I want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked and accepted. But I have this constant struggle as a pastor that I go back and forth with all the time. I look at, at sometimes at certain people and at certain churches, and I see a lot of growth, and I see a lot of activity, but then I see a lot of unregenerate people who do not repent and their lifestyle, they may, they may bless the Lord with their mouth, but they curse Him with their life. They may say, I'm a Christian. They may say, I go to church here. I do this. They may volunteer and serve. That's the big word today. They may serve in their church. They may do lots of things, but their life doesn't line up with the Word of God. And then when I come up and I preach, they've visited there or they've watched it online. And then when I get up and I preach against sin, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if I preach against homosexuality, lesbianism, or heterosexual fornication. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I preach against alcohol or drug abuse or any of those things. It doesn't matter. As long as I preach on sin, doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter how much love I try to season it with. I found that if I give them the truth, they're still offended whether the truth was spoken. And even if the truth was spoken in love... And they're still offended and I'm still a bigot and I'm still a hater and that's what they think about me simply because I preach them the truth no matter how much I try to season or condition it with love. But then uh, when I have this internal struggle like oh don't say that, that it's going to offend somebody if you say that, if you preach against that because over here they can live together with somebody of the same sex and still serve in the nursery. Right over here, they can live together out of wedlock and still greet at the door. Right over here, they can still play it up and get drunk in the club on Saturday night and worship on the platform on Sunday morning. Yeah, and if you say anything, they're going to dislike you and they're going to hate you and they're going to call you a bigot and say you're hateful. I even had somebody call me on a social media post and tell me how hateful I was when I was just trying to speak some truth. But then when I have that internal struggle, I come back to the Word of God and I'm reminded by the Lord, you go ahead and preach my Word because I will not hear them when they pray. When you regard iniquity in your heart, when you hold sin close to your 
heart and you refuse to let go of it, I don't care how much you serve in the nursery. I don't care how much you sing on the praise team. I don't care how many times you greet at the door. God does not hear you when you pray, when there's sin in your heart. If Achan had to get the sin out of the tent, so do we. Somebody's got to blow the trumpet and sound the alarm. Lest we take a world to church and then to hell. Did you hear me? Lest we take a world to church and then to hell. That's why I am constantly challenging you to live pure. I know it's hard. I know it's a constant struggle to keep our minds stayed on the Lord. To capture the mind of Christ. But I want to tell you, your prayer life depends on it. Now let me say this and be very clear when I say it. I know that God responds to a sinner when they pray. Because God responded to me when I prayed as a sinner. But what the Word says that I've read to you this morning, and if we believe the Word, the Word said it's those of us who call ourselves His children, those of us who say that we're saved, but He doesn't listen to if we regard iniquity. There is a higher standard than what the world is making you believe today. Did you notice in that passage of Scripture, it didn't even say that we had committed sin. It just said we regarded it. You can block your own prayer life. We can build walls that defeat and stop our own prayers. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you're faced with unanswered, blocked, stopped prayers, and if silence just seems like it's hanging over your head, you might need to examine whether or not Isaiah chapter 59, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter, you might ought to examine if that doesn't describe you. Because if it does, if we'll just simply repent, get our minds right, stop holding iniquity or hiding iniquity, then at the same time we can turn the key and release our prayers, find our answers, direction, and provision. <clears throat> Somebody asked me a question week, a couple weeks ago. And they said, and I'm just going to tell you this because listen, it's a dangerous thing for a church to sweep sin under a rug. It's a very hard thing as a pastor when you recognize the sin and you have to be the one to say, I love you, but this don't jive. Boy, it's going to get real quiet now. It's a tough thing. But if you want to guard the treasures of the temple, you'll make sure that the house of God stays as clean as possible when it pertains to those who are leading the people. And so when a church disregards sin and, and sweeps it under a rug, it begins to invite that same spirit. Somebody asked me about something a couple weeks ago. And before I even thought, I answered the question because they said um, some open sin in, in, a, in a church leadership type position came, came about. And they said, uh, not, nece not necessarily the overall leader, but when you're... When you're serving in any capacity, when you're up here on the platform leading worship, and it wasn't this church, but when you're up here on the platform leading worship, you're a leader. Even though you may not be Nicholas, you're still leading the people in worship. And they said, do you not think that it's, that it's strange that this is the second or third time that this has come openly out of that particular place? I said, absolutely not. Before I even thought, I said, absolutely not. And they said, why? I said, because I believe that's a spirit that rests on people 
And when you sweep that spirit under the rug, you're telling that spirit, they'll hide you if you come over here. I know that's tough. I know that's tough. But it's important that we keep sin that we know about out of the house of God. Now, Pastor, are you saying, I mean, you can't be the sin police on everybody. No, we can't, and we're not going to try to be. But we also can't go along with the world's philosophy that I can do anything I want to do and then be a leader amongst God's people. There is a thing called accountability in the kingdom of God. That's the wall of iniquity. Secondly, very quickly, the wall of injury. It's a second wall that can block our prayers. It's, uh, Jesus was clear. He left no room for negotiation on this one. He said it is a law of the kingdom that when you approach the altar, uh, injury can keep you from being heard. In Matthew chapter 5, I want you to listen very closely to what he says. Don't justify injury and church hurt and those things because it can block your prayer life. Listen to what he said. This is the message translation. He said, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or a sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words heal. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering or an offering of praise, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Notice it says somebody has against you, not what you have against somebody. That applies too. But abandon your offering, your offering of praise. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. When you come to the altar and remember, isn't it interesting that we typically remember at the moment that we begin to approach God and ask Him for something. I want to tell you, injury between you and somebody else can block your prayer life. Injuries interrupt. I was given the news of somebody this week who was injured in church many, many years ago and went out into eternity not really knowing if they ever made... That injury stopped them from attending church many years ago. I want to tell you something. There's no injury worth it, folks. I said there's no injury worth it. As I preached a couple weeks ago, forgive them and practice frozen. Let it go. There's no injury worth your soul. Some of us are suffering in silence because we refuse to do the hard and painful work of reconciliation. Earthly relationships can block your heavenly relationships. Sometimes reconciliation is not easy. Sometimes it means that you've got to say, I'm sorry, even when you feel like you did nothing wrong. Because when you don't, you're blocking your own prayer life. Our unity has more bearing on our ability to communicate with the Lord than we realize. Jesus himself recognized the key ingredient of unity. He prayed that unity and love would invade our lives because he knew that without it, we would come to the altar with no ability to hear or to be heard. If we're not careful... Injury builds a wall around our prayer life and it stops clear communication with the Lord. So I ask you this morning, who has you boxed in? Who has you blockaded? You can't work things out with God until you first work things out with them. Thirdly, the wall of silence. And I'm going to close after this one. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our prayer life is that we mistake silence for a lack of response. But silence is actually a part of prayer. Let me say that again. Silence is actually a part of prayer. There are several reasons that prayer is sometimes walled in silence. God is silence at times because we pray contrary to His will. 
in the book of James, he says, you, you have not because you ask amiss and you want to conceive it upon your own lust. When you ask against God's will, sometimes God is silent. Uh, sometimes God's silent because our prayer doesn't demand a response. Because God has already responded in His Word, and we failed to read that Word or heed that Word. When you pray, you talk to God and you allow God to talk to you, but you've got to read the Word if you want clear, written, precise instructions. Say amen, somebody. When your kids, particularly those of you that parent younger children, when your kids ask you a question when they're young, and they already know the answer because you've already answered. Do you ever just stop feeling compelled to respond anymore? Mm, I heard somebody say, mm-hmm. You, you've already given them the answer. And, I mean, I remember this when sometimes when they would ask and they were younger. And five minutes later, they'd ask again. And then Abby was the one that would get more aggravated than anybody. She'd say, Daddy, I'm talking to you. I'd say, I know you're talking to me, but I've already told you no. Sometimes, you know, we do the same thing to God. We keep asking and asking, and God says, I've done give you my word. I've done said no. Sometimes God is simply in the silence. He's simply shouting, I've already spoken. There's another reason for silence, and that's interference. For those of you that love football, we'll talk about it in just a minute. This is what Daniel experienced in Daniel chapter 10. The Bible gives an account for a prayer session in which Daniel prays and he doesn't receive an answer for 21 days. And then all of a sudden an angel appears to Daniel after the three-week delay and informs him that he had been held up uh, by enemy resistance. That's what he told him. The enemy, listen to me, the enemy can and will interfere with your prayers. But the great truth in this account is found in Daniel chapter 10. Listen, verse 12, New Living Translation. Then he said, he's the angel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. Daniel was informed that from the very moment that he humbled himself and began to pray, his prayers were heard. I want to tell you this morning, this should encourage some of you today. Because some of you have prayed prayers that you've prayed for months and, and perhaps even years ago. And I want to remind you this morning that those prayers, unless you've let them die, those prayers are still alive. And they're still in process. God heard those prayers when you first started praying them. And He's not forgotten now. Therefore, don't you give up. Don't you mistake silence for a lack of response. It might just be that your answer has simply been delayed or even detoured. But the answer will come. You've just got to hold on. Keep praying. Keep believing, keep trusting, and walk in the assurance, listen to me, that interference does not equate interception. Interception is a turnover. If, if one team intercepts the pass that was intended for the other team, it's a turnover. They take the ball and they begin to run the other way, which ultimately ends in defeat. Interception, uh, interference does not equate to interception. Interference only equates to delay. Listen to me. Let me say this again. Don't give up just because your answer has been delayed. Let me remind you this morning that Abraham and Sarah prayed 14 years before Isaac was born. Jacob had to pray, wait, and work seven years waiting for Rachel. David 
had to wait approximately 15 years from the time that Samuel anointed him to be king before he ever took the throne. That woman at the well need a healing in your body who had the issue of blood. She prayed and she waited 12 long years on that healing. I came to tell you this morning, don't you get weary in your waiting. Don't you confuse silence for rejection. You just keep praying. You just keep believing. You just keep trusting. And you just keep waiting on the Lord. What's the word promise when we wait? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Keep waiting on the Lord. Don't be confused or discouraged by the silence. Listen to your pastor this morning. Silence requires more discernment. Discernment is something that's lacking in the church today. Silence requires more discernment. You've got to discern for yourself in your prayer life. Is silence a response? Is God saying, I've already answered? Or is silence a result of interference? What you can rest assured that it is not, it is not a lack of interest in your prayers. God heard you when you prayed. As they come to the music this afternoon. Our prayer lives can be walled in, stopped, and blocked. What we have to determine if our prayers are going to be effective is am I fighting my own prayers by regarding iniquity or injury? Or is my prayer blocked by interference? Silence never gives us a license to take matters into our own hands unless that silence is a result of, of injury or iniquity. Then we have to do that. We have to step up and tear down those walls so that we can press through to the prayer life that we so desperately desire and need. This afternoon, I want to invite you to spend some time, just a few moments, in prayer with the Lord, meditating and pondering these reasons why your prayers could be blocked or stopped. I want you to evaluate and examine your own prayer life. And those prayers that you know that you're praying, that you feel like they've gone unanswered, there's no better place to do that than at the altar of prayer. Ask yourself, are your prayers blocked by the wall of iniquity? Do you need God to forgive you? Sometimes we all need God to forgive us. And that's okay. That's why He gave us 1 John 1 and 9. And you need to put that in action in your life. It says if. But that say if. Say if. If is conditional. It only works if. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. Are your prayers blocked by the wall of injury? Do you need to forgive somebody else? Are your prayers blocked by the wall of silence? Let me encourage you to spend some time in prayer today and remind yourself and declare to the Lord, God, I'm still believing. I'm still holding on. I'm still trusting. I'm still waiting on the answer that I know is on the way. Do you need somebody to just simply agree with you in prayer about something today? If you come to this altar, I promise you, you'll find somebody to agree with you in prayer this afternoon. Because here's the bottom line. When we make the declaration, I pray, 
when we make that declaration, it needs to be a truth spoken by people who know how to pray in a way that causes the heart of God to move. I don't want us to be empty talkers that say, I pray, but our prayer lives are hindered by iniquity. I want us to be a people that know how to pray in a way that causes the heart of God to be moved. And I want to close with this quote today by one of the greatest preachers to ever live, Charles Spurgeon, said this, If you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe that He will hear you. But if you believe He will, He will be as good as your faith. Somebody said, Pastor, that's not Scripture. Yes, it is. The Word says we have not because we ask not. Another passage says, If any two or three of you agree together touching any one thing, asking it in my name, it shall be done. Right here he says, If you'll believe he will, he'll be as good as your faith. I don't know what you need today, but I know that you can find that answer in this altar as we say and declare I pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your presence. God, I don't know what your people have need of today, but you do. So, God, we're going to dedicate a few moments of time over the next few moments. God, those that are watching online and those precious people, these precious people that are assembled together in this room today. God, I'm praying that for the next few moments as we approach an altar of prayer, whether we approach this altar or make the altar in our seat, God, I'm asking that we would examine ourselves in our own prayer life. God, if our, if our prayers seem to be walled up and not answered, do we have a wall of iniquity that we need to tear down? God, I pray today if there's somebody under the sound of my voice that's not saved, they'll pray that prayer of salvation today. They'll ask you to forgive them of their sin, to come into their heart and be the Lord of their life. God, I ask today that we would evaluate and, and say, is my prayer life walled up and blocked by a wall of injury? God, I need to get rid of that hurt and that injury and let it go and give it to you. And God, I also pray today that we'd be encouraged even if there is silence and we don't feel like the prayers are answered, that we'll keep holding on. Keep trusting. Keep praying and keep believing because the God we serve, He will answer.